Morning, family. How you guys doing? I'd like everybody actually to uh, stand with me this morning with your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to be re- reading out of verses 18 through 25, so you guys can follow along. I'll give you guys a second to get there. And in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that just uh, today you would fill our mind, body, and spirit with just your love, Lord, and and that you would just remind us every morning just to show compassion to others, Lord, and and daily renew our passion for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Genesis. It's good to see you here this morning as we continue in our series, Advent Conspiracy. What we want to do this morning is continue focusing on the birth of Christ and what it looks like to us and to the world. You know, God is very specific. Spirituality can, can be a very generic term, and it's a very cool thing. Everyone says, yeah, I'm spiritual. Okay, that, that sounds great until you start talking about specifics. When you start talking about specifics, spirituality starts to become a little bit uncomfortable, a little awkward. See, it's great to say, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to pray, and that's, oh, that's neat, until you start talking about who you're going to pray to and some of the specifics of what prayer looks like, and, and then people start to get a little bit uneasy. But you see, God is not generic. He is very specific. And what he has for us is very specific. It's not ethereal. I love that word ethereal because it sounds so ethereal. It's like, what is it? But God is very specific. And that specificity is what becomes transformational and even uncomfortable. You know, if you're single and you talk about dating, it sounds very exciting. Until you get to specifics. Until you talk about that guy who's kind of arrogant. Or that girl who talks too much. And then all of a sudden it becomes uncomfortable because you're having to really deal with the reality of what it means to date. And spirituality is the same way. It's easy to talk about and be generic, but once you start talking about specifics, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road and we start having to put into practice the things that are really important. And that's when things get a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I love it when we 
go out to eat with people and there's that awkward time of, hey, you guys want to go out to eat? Yeah, let's go out to eat. What do you want to get? Oh, I don't care. What about you? I don't care. Mexican food? Yeah, Mexican food sounds good. Okay. Where are we going to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? And there's that whole, you know, it's just like, can someone just pick a place? You know, until you get the name of the place, you're not going to eat. You can talk about it, but until it gets specific, nothing takes place. And it's the same thing we find in this story of Christ's birth. And we're going to look at both Matthew and John as they talk about the birth of Christ and as they get very specific. Matthew and John are are very different Gospels, but at the same time, they're very similar in that they're speaking of the same events. They do it in unique and different ways, but they're both very specific. Matthew, we see specific name, specific face, a specific time, and a specific place. And if God is going to work through our lives, it's going to be through these specifics. He reveals himself specifically in Jesus. He gives us his name. He gives us this face. He helps us to see exactly what Jesus looks like. And and even as Mike has read, In verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, but after he had considered this, an angel, and he'd considered that, you know, maybe I should put Mary away. I shouldn't marry her. She's been unfaithful to me. The angel appears, but he he gets this word from God through the angel that came in a dream. And Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And you will give him the name Jesus, a specific name, Jesus, which means basically Yahweh salvation, that Yahweh is salvation. This is the name that you're going to give him because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Matthew looks at this, and and it's interesting because God is intervening, and it's not in a general way. It's very specific. It's through this woman, Mary. It is through this child whose name is Jesus, which means God is with us, Emmanuel. He is our salvation. Now, when we get to John's gospel, and turn with me there, John chapter 1, John has a a different way of bringing this. He begins to tell us that Jesus has been here all along. And in John chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John tells us that God, who has always existed, became 
flesh. And we know through reading later on after verse 18 that it is specifically Jesus himself. He begins with the pre-existent creator, the one who was before all things, the divine word who actually is God and gives light and life to the whole creation became flesh, verse 14 it says, and made his dwelling among us. Both authors give specific name, a specific place in which God reveals himself to us. In Matthew's gospel, we see the two names, Jesus, which is Yahweh's salvation, and Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I don't know if there's a, a better way to explain who is Jesus to you than Emmanuel. Three words, God with us. It, it brings out all of what this means, that he is indeed with us because he is going to save his people from their sins. Now, at the time that Jesus came and this word came out, you will call him Jesus and you will give him the name Emmanuel because he's going to save the people from their sins. God is with us. It didn't probably go over like it would with us. At that time, they were not looking for someone to save them from their sins. What they were looking for specifically was for God to save them from Rome. They were more concerned about Rome's sin than their own. And so their eyes were focused not on themselves, but on Rome. They're looking for a savior to save them from their oppressor, Rome. The sin belonged to Rome, not to them. But you see, God deals with us very personally. He doesn't talk about Rome. He's not dealing with that. He's talking about our sin, our greed, our lust, our lack of compassion, our self-centeredness. He's come to free us from those things. And so he comes, but the people weren't looking for the specific. They were looking for a God who could deal with this general problem that they had. And once again, life is taking place in the specifics. God is much more personal and deals with individuals in a very personal way. The second name that Matthew has is Emmanuel, God with us. This is what he has come to do specifically. This is what the birth of Christ is about. It is about God being with us. That was cute. <laughs> A little squeal there. Now, John's name is the Word. The name he gives to Christ is the Word, which we see clearly is Jesus. And he says that the Word became flesh. The word that is used for flesh is the word tabernacle. Eugene Peterson writes it like this. He pitched his tent in our neighborhood. I love that. He pitched his tent in our neighborhood. He, he made his presence with us. He is there. And they're both saying the same thing. John is being a little bit more direct as he is saying, this is the God in flesh. 
Matthew says this is Emmanuel, God with us, but they are both being specific as to who Jesus is and where he has come, what he looks like, what his name is, who he is. For Matthew, it's the virgin birth. It starts there that this woman, Mary, would conceive of the Holy Spirit, that this baby within her would develop and be born a human baby, that God would be born in a human form. How do you put your mind around that? You know, we, we, we sing the carols, we, we know the story, but every now and then when our minds really focus on what this means, it's mind-boggling. The Nicene Creed, which is fairly old, has been around and has been established to try and keep Christian orthodoxy, to try and maintain the truth of who God is and what he has done and the scriptures, how they have proclaimed this. And the Nicene Creed, part of it talks about Jesus in this way. Jesus Christ, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. He was made man. 100% God, 100% man. That's 200%. What do you do with that? How, how do you understand that? David Bruner writes a great sentence regarding this. He says that God was prepared to cause temporary intellectual confusion in order to give us a permanent existential salvation. God was willing to allow us to Go through the confusion of trying to understand what is taking place to provide for us something of substance, something that we need, giving us something that would benefit our lives. We don't quite understand this mystery. No one really does. But we have experienced the living God. We've experienced what this is in the person of Jesus Christ as he shows up in a specific place. In John's gospel, he writes that he dwelt among us. He's not far. He's not distant. He is with us. He is among us. He pitched his tent here, the tabernacle. It is in our presence. A real body with real bones that can be broken, with real blood that can shed a specific human being. God with us. Matthew, he was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth, ministered in Judea and Galilee and died on Golgotha's Hill. Specifics. Specific place. A specific person and what he did. And you see, the the two themes of both Matthew and John that they're presenting that God shows up physically, tangibly with us in the person of Jesus and his love becomes concrete. 
His love becomes tangible. It is established. It is something that we can see. It is something that we can identify with. It is real. When my kids were younger, you know, putting them to bed was always a chore because they don't want to go to sleep. What kid wants to go to sleep? Maybe yours does. I don't know how that happened. Mine didn't. The boys just would never go to sleep. And, and sometimes that would be, they're afraid. They don't like the darkness. They have a, a nightmare. Something happens. And, you know, it doesn't matter how you explain it. I, I can go in there and I can open the closet and say, see, nothing's in the closet looking at you. You know, go under the bed. Nothing's there. The lights are on. Put a little night light, you know, that looks like a football or something. You know, everything's okay. It's all right. And I can explain that, but it doesn't change how they feel. What they want is mom or dad there. When they're frightened, they don't want an explanation. They don't want a generic response to what is taking place in them. What they want is a hug. What they want is someone to secure them and let them know, it's okay, I'm here, there is nothing to worry about. God's love is tangible in the person of Jesus. It is real. It is something of substance. He is with us, and he demonstrates his love for us in a way that we can see, in a way that is specific, in a way that changes us and brings to us the comfort that we are loved by God, that we do not know and cannot fully understand, but we can see clearly now in the person of Jesus Christ as he demonstrates this love towards us. God is not generic. He's very specific. He is Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is the Word made flesh. He is to be worshipped by people with specific names, specific sins, specific needs, living in a specific times and specific places throughout the whole world. And what both... Matthew and John are doing is they are starting with the specifics and they are going to end with the specifics. They are shooting this arrow of who Jesus is, why he came, and what he came for. The beginning is the birth, his entrance into time and space. At the top of the ark, you would find the cross, him dying for the sin of the world. And then where it lands, both John and Matthew have a specific and tangible way that we are to worship. Because what are we supposed to do with this God becoming man? What does that mean to us? What does this look like? What is this Advent really about? And both Matthew and John give us understanding of what that is. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Where the arrow lands, we see how worship is to take place in response to the specific person, Jesus Christ, God with us. And in verse 18 of chapter 28, Matthew, it reads, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth 
has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's ethons, ethnicities. Specific people, specific ethnicities in specific places. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, specifically Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am Emmanuel. I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. The specific name that Matthew gave to us in chapter 1 carries us all the way to chapter 28. To where we are now sent. You see, the birth of Christ was not just an event that took place. It was the model of what God was doing. And as God sent his son, we see now that Jesus, in the fulfillment of what he was to do, is now sending us. God sent to us Jesus. Jesus sends you and me. To where we are now sent to declare, to announce, to make known to these specific people in these nations that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present with us. That is the message that we are bringing. That is the specific good news that we are proclaiming. Now, in John's gospel, in John, his arrow lands in chapter 20, verse 31. John writes this and he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That Jesus is the one promised. He is the one who fulfills what was promised. And that by believing you may have life in his name. I love how John uses this word life. And he got it from Jesus. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. You ever wonder how people would respond to that? But wait, I'm already alive. I've got life. He's saying, no, you don't. I've come to give you real life and to give you it to the full. The word made flesh who was the author of life and the giver of life is the one who gives us new life. He is the Messiah. He's come here to make us alive. So he was born to give us birth. He came so that we would also go. God is not interested in generic mission He's not interested in generic worship. He's interested in specifics. So what does that look like? How do we bring discipleship and life to others? That's why we showed that video at the beginning, what discipleship looks like. Because what discipleship is not, it is not about learning information. 
It's not about going and going through a class, reading a book, and finding out who Jesus is. That's not what discipleship is. Jesus gave us the example of what discipleship was, what it looks like. How did Jesus do that? He became incarnate. He became flesh. He became God with us. That's what discipleship is, is being with people. It's putting flesh and presence with those around us. It's not going to church. It's going out. God sent and he's sending us. God sent his son and now his son is sending us. We put skin on this descriptive character of Jesus. We put skin on what love looks like. We put skin on what mercy looks like. We put skin on what sacrifice looks like. We show up in the lives of people in their troubles. We involve ourselves with them. That's discipleship. The specific revelation of God through Jesus becomes the specific revelation of Jesus through us. And see, the advent, the coming of Jesus Christ, wasn't just that a baby would be born. It's that a Savior, God would be with us, that he would give us new life, and that we would take that life and continue what he did with us with others, that we now would be with other people. Spirituality that doesn't involve relationships. Spirituality that doesn't involve and connect to people is at best self-absorbed. It's selfish. It is there to make you feel good. A spirituality that doesn't connect relationally with people is of no use to those other people. It's only benefiting you. And at worst, it's self-deceived. It's not what you think it is. A spirituality that doesn't show up in the flesh in specifics with other people is of no use. James wrote it this way. Faith without works is like dead faith. It has no life. A faith that does not make itself known here in this world tangibly is just generic. It has no validity in the lives of of other people. You see, the birth of Jesus makes spiritual spirituality really specific and tangible. That following Jesus keeps us from becoming ethereal. Following Jesus keeps us from being disconnected because he is all about incarnation. He is all about substance. He is all about showing up legitimately in the needs and in the lives of those around him and for us in the lives of those around us. The birth of Jesus is to change our lives. Those of you who have kids know that having a kid changes your life. You're laughing. Oh man, I had no idea. I don't think I slept for the first two years that our boys were born. Not really. Unless we went away, I think we got to sleep. They were colicky, they were twins, and they would tag team when they would cry. 
Okay, I'm done. You cry. And they just kept going and going. It changes your life. The birth of Jesus is supposed to change our life. It's supposed to be significant. It's supposed to involve us in the lives of those around us. When Jesus called us to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves, he's actually calling us to a worship theology. He's telling us to do something. And this is who Jesus was. This is what Jesus does. He loved, and what did he do? He gave himself. He so loved the world that he gave himself. That's what worship theology is about. It's about giving. The word made flesh, Emmanuel, and and love is at the center of his essence because God is love and Jesus is God. It's at the essence of who he is and how God demonstrates that love. And he's calling us to these large areas to, to involve ourselves, to be connected, to be specific in how we love God. And love our neighbor. Now, that's something that we can kind of hear about. And, you know, we know, oh, love your neighbor. But it becomes like a Mr. Rogers thing. Won't you be my neighbor? You know, it's like, what does that mean? Who's my neighbor? How does that look like? What does it look like to actually love my neighbor? Because the danger is to make neighbor into that Mr. Rogers things. And once again, it just becomes generic. We don't get excited about generic things, except maybe prescription drugs because they're cheaper. (laughs) But otherwise, we we don't get excited. No one goes out and buys generic spaghetti sauce, at least not in my family and lives. You don't get excited about those things. But the specifics... That's what's important. And he's called us to the specifics. Spirituality that comes from Jesus is not nameless. It's not faceless. It's not placeless. It's never generic. This worship of Jesus is always going to bring us to the real and to the specific. So when he says to love your neighbor, he's talking about specific people. He's talking about Bob, he's talking about Marlene, he's talking about Joanne, he's talking about Mark, he's talking about Val, he's talking about Mario, he's talking about Corrine, he's talking about Gil, he's talking about you, specific people. And when he says a neighbor and he talks about the place, he's talking about specific places, he's talking about Upland, he's talking about Rancho Cucamonga, Fontana, Pomona, Montclair, Claremont, Rialto, Ontario, Chino. Specific places where this love is to show up. The neighborhood is the location. The neighbor is the person. The command is to love. And Jesus is involved incarnate himself by his Holy Spirit through us. He is involved with it all. Putting skin on the life of Jesus with words like love, compassion, hope, that's incarnation. Showing up in the lives of people, making a difference in their life. Pointing them to the true 
and living one, Jesus, that they too might have and find life. And the reason we want to put this into practice is because we never want this to become generic. We never want to reduce the gospel to something that is meaningless. We, we are not here about social events. We're not here to have a club where we all get together and make ourselves happy and play cards and, and you know wear the water buffalo hat or whatever. I mean, we're not here just to be a social group. You're, you're not here to find a husband or a girlfriend. You might, that's a great plus, but that's not what the church is about. It's about living the life, putting specifics on what it is to love, making the tangible evident in the lives of those around us, even as God did in the person of Jesus. We want to live incarnationally with the people around us because that is the Christ that we follow. A person who's real, has substance, and gave and made a difference. That's how he loves you, by name, with specific circumstances. And so how do we do the same? Well, we we involve ourselves with the lives of people. That's what we did with the Healthy Start. We wanted to make a difference in the lives of those 41 children and in a tangible way, just give them a little bit of something to let them know that we are here, that we care. That's what we're doing in Haiti. And that's why we're taking this Advent season and we're trying to make it something that, again, connects to the reality of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and to emulate him with our lives. I spoke a little bit last week about Haiti, and I I want to talk a little bit more about what's taking place. This is the restroom that I was talking about that's there at the St. Andre School. It was damaged by the earthquake. The doors don't close completely. You have to hold them shut if you want privacy. They're kind of cockeyed, and it's pretty much a shamble. These are the kids, or that's actually the cafeteria. That's their kitchen. This is where they make their lunch. This is where they serve the children. And this is the children, or some of them, that are there. These are the specific faces that go along with the people who we want to minister to in the name of Jesus. There is even more than that that are there. There are specific people, specific names in a specific location. And so what we want to do is be able to share the goodness that we have with them. We want to be able to, in a tangible way, make a difference in their lives by providing them with a better restroom and a better kitchen area. I shared with you guys last week, I think it was $2,500 that Janot said would be able to build them a good and adequate latrine for all these kids, over 100 
I think he said it was $5,000 to build a kitchen area that they need. And so one of the ways that we can show up is going to be financially in the lives of these children. This is our first steps into Haiti and trying to connect with some people. And again, what we are wanting to do, if you guys have your um, little flyer, the Advent Conspiracy, we have more in the back that are there to give an idea of what we're doing in this Advent season. We're not asking you to stop spending or buying gifts. What we're doing is saying, maybe spend a little bit less so that you can give a little bit more. Maybe instead of buying that gift card, you can just make something. And with that money that you would normally spend, you can put that towards Haiti so that we can take the money in February when we go and give it to Jeannot and we can see the progress as they build a restroom for these kids, build a kitchen for these kids. We can come back and say, we were a part of that. What did we do? We showed up specifically, tangibly, to make a difference in these lives in the name of Jesus. We did it with Healthy Start, and we want to do it in more than just the Advent season. We want this to become who we are. But here is a time when we acknowledge the birth of Christ, and what was it about? It was about this. It was about God being with us, showing up, loving, demonstrating love in a tangible way, and then passing the baton on to us so that we would do the same. doesn't matter how much you learn if you don't put into practice the love of God. That's what a disciple is. Someone who emulates their rabbi someone who follows after them and does what they do. What did Jesus do? He pitched his tent in our neighborhood and he loved us and he gave himself. What we're wanting to do is to pitch our tent in our neighborhood, to give of ourselves our time, our substance, and make a difference in the lives of other people. That's what the Advent is supposed to be about. And that's what we want to make it about again. God is with us. And he's called us to now go and be with others in the ways that we can. Let's pray. Father, it's an amazing thing what you have done in showing up in our lives, showing up in humanity, showing up in this world in time and place and history and changing the world. God, what an amazing thing. It is mind-boggling and it is thought-provoking. And Lord, as we thought this morning, what, what does that mean for us? How, how do we respond to what you've done. Well, you've told us that we are to go out and make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities. We are to involve ourselves in the lives of other people. As we become your disciples, we can bring others to the life that you give. That is what you've called us to do. 
so may we take this great commission and recognize it as the tangible way that we live out our faith is by involving our lives with the lives of others, by showing up. I pray that you would help us to get past our inhibitions and our insecurities, our nervousness, our fears. God, you haven't called us to to be scholars. You haven't called us to be great apologists. You haven't called us to to know everything. You have called us to be with people, to love as you loved. Sometimes I think we make it harder than it is. Help us to take this and own it, to, to be what you have been to us, real, of substance, someone who actually holds us, who actually cares, who really loves us in a way that is obvious and seen. May we do that with those around us, with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, with our fellow students. May we look to put flesh on what it means to be your disciple. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.